Swimsuit? Check. Sunscreen? Check. Phone charger? Check. Don't forget to pack the 5-Hour Energy. It fits great in a pocket or carry-on, and the alert feeling will help you arrive ready for anything. Now get 20% off when you use code 5HETRAVEL at 5HourEnergy.com. Expires April 30th. One-time use only. Not valid with other discounts. Remember, visit 5HourEnergy.com and use code 5HETRAVEL to save 20%. Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Coming up on Believe in Soccer, a weekend that saw the favorites in four leagues across the globe fall short of victory. Is it stunning or in the year 2020, is it expected? And why so much controversy over the handball rule? Plus Thierry Henry's first year at the coaching helm. Nothing like what the French World Cup champion envisioned. The Shet Messing Daily Cast begins now. Hi and welcome everyone to Believe in Soccer. My name is Steve Cangelosi. I'll ask Shep Messing to stop me if he disagrees. But Bayern Munich is the solid favorite to win Bundesliga. Man City, most would say, a favorite to win the Premier League. Juventus considered a lock to win Serie A again. And while MLS is far more unpredictable, it's LAFC that was a preseason favorite to win MLS Cup. You got all of that? Well, none of those teams won their respective games this weekend. All of the circumstances I know, Shep, are different, but is all of this just coincidence or is it a little something more in the insanity of the year 2020? Listen, you know me, Steve. I love chaos, but I think there are some explanations uh, for these other than the craziness of 2020. Uh, Start with Bayern Munich. for me, it's a pretty simple explanation of, of why they had that horrendous result. Look, the style that they play, you know well. They play hard. They press. They counterpress. They're playing at 100 miles an hour. They're not sitting back. They're not counterattacking. Their style of play, all-out pressure. And what did they have midweek in terms of you know, congestion of games? They had a 120-minute battle against Sevilla, right? And then they come back, and I was shocked when I saw this. Seven out of the 11 that they played after that cup game were in the starting team, and six of those players had played 120 minutes. So that's just not sustainable. I think it's a a blip on the radar screen. I think maybe I fault the coach, and I hate to say that because he's been superb, he should have changed up tactics for that game. He couldn't expect his team to play the same way with no rest, having played 120 minutes midweek. That's a disaster waiting to happen. Well, you see, I think we need more weekends like this personally because domestic races in places like Germany and Italy, they become non-existent with the dominance of the top teams. But you touched on some place that I did want to go today. If the schedule is more compact, then managers like Hansi Flick will have more games probably where he says, I'm not starting Lewandowski. I'm not starting Goretzka. Those were the decisions he made for this game. We just played in midweek. I'm not playing my best team every match. And you know, and I know pre-pandemic, there was a large faction of observers who just felt there were too many games. Consider Munich for a second. 34-game regular season, German Cup, Champions League, 
And I wonder if even the team like this that wins everything just thinks it's too much. Well, Steve, I'll give you an added factor in that equation. When it comes to Bayern Munich, it's pretty shocking. Look, all the clubs around the world facing difficult economic times with the pandemic, for sure. But I look back, and it hasn't been since 2011 that Bayern Munich has had such limited depth in terms of the roster. And many people questioning, why are they not out bullish in this transfer market? They have to add to their squad. I think the game is more exciting than it's ever been. And obviously, that's a good thing. But wasn't there a time that a team like Man City, with a coach like Pep Guardiola, would score the first goal against a team like Leicester, and that's it, say goodnight. The issue is decided. City fans will point to, well, there were a few injuries that impacted this, not a full squad, but that's life. What's happened that a Leicester can not only roar from behind, but score five? A Guardiola team is not supposed to allow five, but that's reality now. Yeah, it is crazy. And to your point, Steve, I looked it up. Pep Guardiola, in his coaching career it's the first time in 686 games as a coach that any team has scored five goals against him look there were three pks in the game and when pep guardiola tried to explain uh that nightmare of a game he said jamie vardy he just killed us he was all over the place drawing penalties he he Got three goals. Two of his were on PKs. But, look, they need help defensively. Man City fans know that. They're waiting, of course, for Ruben Diaz to come from Benfica. Uh, and, again, I, I throw that game out the window. It, it's a crazy game. Uh, they'll come back. And, look, you've mentioned two teams, Bayern Munich and Manchester City. I think – at the end of the day, they're going to be where everybody thought they'd be. Well, there was another start for U.S. international Weston McKinney for Juventus. This one wasn't nearly as successful as the first. Ronaldo did score twice, but Juve finished in a 2-2 draw at Roma. We've touched on McKinney's wonderful story. Now the flip side. Unless you're winning Champions League, you can only screw this up in terms of prizes, right? Juve doesn't need you to win a Scudetto for the 10th consecutive time. Ronaldo was fabulous, but that's about it. Yeah, look, this is Pirlo. You know, he's he's learning on the fly, right? He was complaining a little bit. We, you know, the pandemic, we had no preseason friendlies. We're still tinkering. Do I play three in the back, four in the back, three in the back? So he was writing off some of that as an excuse. My bigger concern, and I don't want to jinx anything, uh, when it comes to McKenney, you know, you only have to go back as far as Michael Bradley playing for Roma, where he was in the starting 11, and because of additions they made to the squad, before you knew it, he was out. Great opportunity for Weston, but let's, let's hope for his sake the team keeps winning with him in the lineup. And closer to home, there is LAFC, and there was Bob Bradley following a 2-1 to loss at home versus San Jose. Uh, these are bad errors, and uh, it's a day where I don't think we have enough guys that play well, and, and now the ability to just finish a game, even if it's not your best day, uh, we let ourselves down. It's a bad loss. Matias Almeida, not dramatic at all, says our players 
gave their souls for this one. <laughs> Bradley's team had the lead in the 80th minute, and they lost, Shep. What's going on with LAFC? Well, I'm going to turn the page and go way back, Steve, and, and maybe make an analogy. Um, maybe it's relevant, maybe it's not. But if anybody can pull this off, it'll be Bob Bradley. That is to get the ship going in the right direction. About three weeks ago, Bradley was quoted quite extensively about different problems that the team was having, obviously with Carlos Vela out, but he was talking about the pandemic, social unrest in the country, his players having to deal with that mentally. Well, go back to the year 2011, and where was Bob Bradley? Bob Bradley took the job to coach the national team, as you know, in Egypt. And what happened as soon as he got there? War, political unrest, demonstrations, fans dying at the stadium, the league shut down. So in a vacuum, back then, Bob Bradley became the leader that we know him of, right? He rallied everybody. He marched in the streets with his players, both sides of the fence on his team in terms of the national team politically, uh, religiously. And Bob Bradley was a leader in a very dark time in Egypt. So fast forward to 2020 with all the unrest in this country, the political divide, Black Lives Matter movement. I think Bob Bradley's going to shine in this moment. The empty stadiums here are the same way they were empty in Egypt in 2011. And if, if I can't think of anybody stronger with a moral compass and a leadership mentality than Bob Bradley. And whereas three weeks ago he talked about the pressure on his players given all the unrest, he's the man to, to bring them together. You answered my next question, I believe. They're only two points above the playoff line. They're making it, right? Yeah, they're going to make it. And Steve, you and I talk about it often, both on this podcast and during our broadcasts. This season for me is a wild card. We could talk about Philadelphia, Toronto, Columbus as being favorites. I don't think there's a favorite. Get in the playoffs and it's knockout. And, and I really think anybody can win it. Let's turn the conversation to what almost every fan in England is discussing now, uh, more than anywhere, because the IFAB tweak to the handball rule, uh, which was not in play until recently in the Premier League, it is now. And it seems as if an extra year to get ready has done nothing to help. Uh, there were penalties awarded at Brighton, Crystal Palace, and Tottenham over the weekend, all given after referees were recommended to consult VAR. Uh, a guy walks up to you in a bar and says, what's the handball rule, Shet Messing? How do you just answer that in very basic terms? Because there should not be such confusion as to what is right and what is wrong right now. Well, I'll tell you the answer that I should be able to give that I can no longer give, Steve, because for many years when somebody would walk up to me and, and ask me that, I'd say hand to ball or ball to hand, right? For me, look, it, it, turn back the clock, it was really never in the laws the words handball. It was intentionally handling the ball. That's the big difference now. The architects who are trying to make it better, I think, are making it worse. And I think both players and coaches, managers, they want to keep it simple. 
if, if you did it intentionally, it's a handball. It's a penalty kick. If you're going up for a header and somebody heads the ball from behind you and it hits the back of your arm, that shoulder length, should that be a PK? In, in my mind, no. Again, what are we talking about? We're talking about the spirit of the game. And, and these new tweaks to the handball law combined with VAR, it's not the spirit of the game, Steve. After Crystal Palace's 2-1 to loss to Everton, this was Palace boss Roy Hodgson. I do not understand how we in football, and I'm talking now about the Premier League, I'm talking about referees, I'm talking about managers, I'm talking about coaches, and I'm talking about players. I do not understand how we have allowed this rule to come into operation. For me, it's completely unacceptable, and I've got to be honest with you, it, it certainly destroyed my uh, enjoyment of the game of football. I'm just disappointed that the result went against us in the way it did as a result of a, a rule that we've now brought into football, which I think is killing the game. I've, I've said it, I'm not just saying it today, I've been saying it all along. Uh, for me, handball is a very simple rule. When you deliberately handle it to stop a goal being scored or to get an advantage, it's handball. And when the ball hits you and you can do nothing about it, it's not handball. Jose Mourinho stormed off the field after Tottenham's 1-1 draw versus Newcastle. A VAR-assisted penalty helping Newcastle level the match. Mourinho post-game clearly in no mood to discuss. What was your actual VAR decision at the end? I don't want to comment. I just don't want. Roy Hodgson said yesterday it, it's that the rule is ruining football. Do, do you think it enhances the viewing experience or takes away from it? Yeah, Mr. Roy is all... Uh, is all box is uh, the man with more experience is the man with with the, the age is the man that is in the Premier League. I, I always consider the eldest one the boss. He has the status. He has the know-how. Is respected by by everyone. I live on him. Everyone's worst nightmare is this coming into play in a World Cup final, a Champions League final, an MLS Cup final here, or any time your team is involved with something like this, and it's inevitable that it's going to, Shep. Well, go back to Champions League final, right? In 2019, Liverpool, Tottenham, Musa Sissoko, the definition today, that would not be a handball. Because as it's defined today, if it comes immediately off your chest or foot or head and hits you in the arm, it would not be a penalty kick. I just think, again, we, we've made it more difficult, more complicated, and, and VAR, VAR is adding fuel to the fire. We'll end with this, because on yesterday's program, we delved into the Red Bulls' 4-1 to victory over the Montreal Impact, a side coached by Thierry Henry whose team returned to Montreal after the game after eight days in the United States. They must quarantine upon return to Canada. And when they arrive back on U.S. soil later this week, they'll have very limited time to train for their next match Saturday. It's a mess. It's something I discussed with Henri on MSG Network's pregame show Sunday night. Coaching during a pandemic, I know that's had an impact probably on every coaching staff throughout the world. Has it inhibited what you've wanted to do with this team to a great degree so far? Yeah, yeah, but you, you can't you can't really complain about it. It is where it is. Uh, after the after the the bubble in Orlando, when we came back to Canada, we stayed two weeks at home. We couldn't train, work on nothing. Uh, 
we come here, as you know, this is not our place. Uh, we play our, our home game here uh, because we have to. Uh, the guys are away from their family. When we're going to go uh, finish this game, we're going to go back home. But when you go back home, you can't train. You can't even treat the players that are injured. I have a lot of injured players because of, because of uh, COVID. And uh, it is where it is, so we're going to have to come back. Uh, I don't know when exactly when we're going to come back. We're going to have to come back because being there, we can't go out, train, and treat the players. So it is where it is. Uh, as you see, uh, you will see tonight on the bench, we're short of options. Guys are injured, uh, mentally drained. Um, but it is what it is. You know, you have to find a way to perform tonight. You gave the fans here such wonderful memories for a span of five years. Did you know back then, did you recognize that early, that you wanted coaching to be a oh, profession? Yeah. yeah, I always knew uh, that deep inside. Uh, you kind of uh, wonder what it is to be a coach. And trust me, uh, this year I have a full version of what it is. <laughs> Uh, because of what's happening, because of the problem that everyone has to deal with, not only in football, but in life. But like I said to you, it's a tough one when you go back home and you can't train. But when you finish a, a tournament, you go back home and you cannot train. Finally, I'm wondering if some of the legendary coaches that you've played for in the past, whether it be Arsene Wenger or Pep Guardiola, anything that they imparted during those years that perhaps you can channel today to help your team through times like this? Oh, listen, it's... Uh... You, you learn from everybody, even the guys that you didn't like, because uh, you learn what not to do. But no one prepared me for, for a pandemic. Uh, and not being able to play at home and travel and bring the guys away from their family. Uh, people underestimate the, the, the impact of being mentally okay to play a, a football game. And being away from the family, and we're going to go back home, like I said to you, and deal with what we have to deal with, and come back here again, away from the family, it, it kills a bit of your habit. You know, the Red Bulls guys are going to finish the game and go home after the game. We uh, we actually going home this time, but in quarantine to come back here for two more weeks. So nobody prepared me for that. So I have to uh, adjust to it and, uh, and find a way to perform tonight. Nothing is fair in this time of COVID, right? But he repeatedly invoked the impossibility of his mission multiple times in our conversation. And he's got a point, Shep. It's not right. Yeah, he, he does, but I don't know how to fix it. Nobody can fix it. These are uncharted uh, territories, unprecedented, uh, both in life and in sport. And, you know, I did talk about Bob Bradley, and I, I should add the name Thierry Henry with the same character, the same ability in these troubled, political, divisive, racist times and movements going on. I put Thierry Henry right up there with Bob Bradley as as one of the two best men to handle the situation does he need new players yeah he needs new players but uh, i believe that thierry Henry is going to be able to get the best that he can out of his team i think he's really trying to distance himself from whatever was reality at monaco how do you think he's going to fare as a head coach when all of the dust settles from these unorthodox times well, again, you know, I, it could be, it's hard for me to be objective because I like him. I'm rooting for him. Uh, I'm a fan of his. Um, we don't know him that well off the field, but we know him a little bit. And, and to answer your question, and we've had this discussion, you know, in any sport, do great, do the greatest players fail as managers? At Monaco, there were stories about him actually getting on the field and yelling at his players and trying to show them how to do it. This is you do it. 
you know, this is how you do it. And he was on the field taking half volleys with the right foot. In, in every sport, some fail and some are huge successes. I'll go to uh, Zidane, Franz Beckenbauer, Johan Cruyff. I believe Thierry Henry is going to be a good manager. He's got a high IQ. He knows the game in terms of tactics, and, and he's a leader. And that's what really managers are all about. It's not a lot of X and O's. It's being a leader of your roster. Covered a lot across the world game today. That's a wrap. We'll see you next time on Believe in Soccer, the Shet Messing Daily Cast. Get ahead of postage rate increases this year with Stamps.com. It's like your own personal post office. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM.